If you would, and turn to the book of Genesis chapter 6, Genesis chapter 6, and tonight we're just simply going to, uh, certainly not in any uh, exhaustive way, but we're going to look at a word and we're just going to kind of follow it through the scriptures. Uh, it's a word that should be near and dear to every one of our hearts, and that is the word grace. And uh Oftentimes we, we say, well, let's say grace before the meal. Uh, that's really not the most proper usage of the word. And, and uh, you do hear me often refer to the Oxford English Dictionary. And, and uh, as I looked it up, there's about 20 different definitions there given for the word grace. And when it talks about the Bible, it's only, we, we got to get the whole way down to definition 11 before we really start understanding uh, or getting what uh, the Bible talks about grace. And so, uh, what we're going to do is use our Bible as its own encyclopedia, as its own dictionary, and allow the Bible to help us understand uh, this word uh Several years ago, many years ago, fortunately, I had a person who was actually attending our church kind of at the time. He says, well, I, he says, I bless my children every night when I put them to bed. And I said, oh, really? Okay. Uh, what, what gives you so much grace that you can bless your children? And he got rather offended at me. And, and uh, now I wasn't intending offense, but... We, we have to understand something. Grace does not come from us. There are so many misconceptions about this thing called grace. And as you study your Bible, learn to study your Bible. Of course, our Thursday night service is supposed to be a Bible study. But one of the secondary purposes is not just to teach from the Bible but to teach you how to study the Bible on your own, you know, so that you can learn and, and understand. And I, and I talked to somebody, he said, well, if I did that, he said, nobody would come back to church to listen to me preach. They'd all teach themselves at home. It's a lot easier that way. And I'm sitting there going, well, if you actually learn from the Bible... The Bible tells you you ought to be in church now, doesn't it? And so, uh, an actual learning experience from the Bible means obedience to the things that are in the Bible. And we're not looking for, uh, as the world often accuses us, this mind-numb robot. We want you to be able to study it out and come to the same conclusion on your very own, to be convinced in your own heart. And, and so we're going to start here in Genesis chapter 6 and verse 8. It says, But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Now, that word but that begins the sentence, that conjunction there, tells us that the thought is connected, the direction is different. 
and you go back to read the beginning of Genesis chapter 6, and God's going to be talking about sin. He's going to be talking about man's rebellion. And the corruption of mankind has come to a point that God is going to literally wipe the face of the earth clean of every living thing. Now, I'd like to challenge you that God's judgment, though it's recorded in the Bible in many instances, not until we get to the tribulation period and the end of the millennial kingdom do we see God's judgment falling like it did here in Genesis chapter 6. We have God's judgment coming upon the earth. God says, it's repented me that I have made man. Uh, I am going to destroy every air-breathing organism on planet Earth. Then we have this verse. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Now, that's a pretty positive statement. Wouldn't you agree with me? Uh, Especially if you were Noah. Amen? Uh, I mean, this was something that was very special. As we read through the Bible, we'll find out that only eight people survived the flood. Noah, Mrs. Noah, we don't have her name. Shem, Ham, and Japheth. And Mrs. Shem, Mrs. Ham, and Mrs. Japheth. That Those were the only individuals that survived. Now, why did they survive God's judgment? Well, the Bible tells us right here that Noah found grace. Now, where was that grace? In the eyes of the Lord. Did Noah do something to deserve God's grace? Did he earn God's grace somehow? No, the Bible tells us before Noah had a chance to build the ark and demonstrate his faith, before Noah could do anything, Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And so this thing called grace is a very special commodity. It saved Noah and his family from God's judgment. How many of you have already made some connections in your mind between grace and judgment? Well, that, that's what the Bible is telling us here, that God's grace is connected to escaping God's judgment. But the grace didn't come from Noah, the grace came from God. And this is just a point that we, uh, I'm trying to make here is because every religion you talk about on the face of this earth today, even many quote-unquote Christian religions and people that claim to teach the Bible, they have a form of grace that is earned by the things that you do. Years ago, even in independent Baptist circles, there was a little clan of people and uh, I remember having conversations and talking to them, and uh, I've done my best not to uh, uh, bring personalities in what they might call camps in the, or different strains of independent Baptist into uh, our church on purpose, because I want you to stay as close to the Bible as you can. But 
this group, they were known as, they called themselves soul winners. Now, what they mean by winning souls and what the Bible says about winning souls was two different things. Uh, if they met you, they would say, do you want to go to hell? And you'd say, of course not. Well, pray this prayer. Say, dear G- Lord Jesus, save me. I'm a sinner. And then they would tell you that you're saved forever. Now, let me ask you a question. Does saying those words, is it a magical formula that saves you? No. There's got to be something called faith involved. Amen. As we'll find out in a few minutes, uh, there, there must be grace involved in this salvation thing. But I, I remember talking to one of those people and they were just having a really bad hit a bad spot in their Christian life. And they said, you know, I, I really feel terrible right now. I don't feel very spiritual. I got some problems with sin in my life, but I'm still winning souls, so everything is fine. Now, what they call winning souls is not what the Bible calls salvation. But what they had done, whether they were willing to admit it or not, is adopt a different type of grace that results because of the things you do. We're conditioned that way. If in a marriage you do something bad, you you make a mistake, you forget a birthday or an anniversary, what's the first thing that comes out of your mouth? I'm going to make it up, right? I want you to understand that kind of Grace isn't Bible grace. Bible grace comes from God. Bible's grace is not because of who we are or what we have done. And Bible grace gets us passed through, out from under God's judgment. We, we just see those things by looking at the story of Noah. Now, did Noah have some things he had to do? Yeah, Noah just got a full-time construction job that lasted 120 years. No contract, uh, no, uh, no payment, no, no paycheck at the end of the week. He was told that he would build this ark at the end of the 120 years. They had to go out and gather all the food and put in there. Uh, then they had to start working on the animals, and it said God helped them there get the animals into the ark. Uh, somebody had a shirt one time and said, Why didn't Noah just swat those two mosquitoes? And uh, I'm not quite sure how biblical that ideal is, uh, but uh, there have been times where I've shared the sediment. How about you? And um, God put Noah in the ark. God kept Noah in the ark. God told Noah how to build the ark. He told him with what to build the ark. God did everything. Now, Noah had a lot of work to do. And we get to the book of Hebrews and it says that Noah built the ark how? By faith. He just believed God's word. Well, how did Noah get the information from God to build the ark in the first place? Grace. Do you see how grace works? 
You say, Pastor, I know all this. Well, good. We just need to be reminded from time to time. Amen? We need to be... Because it's so easy to fall into, even in church. Oh, well, I want God to bless me. I better show up at church. Uh, I'm having some problems. I better put some money in the offering plate. Um, This is not how grace works. Now, let's go to the book of Zechariah. And, of course, we're not covering every every time the word grace is used in our Bible. But we're just looking at some highlights here. So, if you got to Matthew, you got too far. And we're going to be in Zechariah chapter 4. Now, how many of you remember the story of Zechariah? Zechariah was a prophet. He's listed in what we call the minor prophets. Has nothing to do with their importance. All of God's Word is important. It's primarily the length of the book. Uh, Zechariah was one of the prophets that was after the return. After the 70-year captivity, he was there when Zerubbabel and Shethiel were rebuilding the temple in the city of Jerusalem. It would be uh, uh, literally another generation later before the walls would be rebuilt. And so they're working there, and if you'll remember, uh, they had much uh, opposition, and the uh, Samaritans and the other people of the land, just like in the book of Nehemiah, were trying to hinder that work. And Zerubbabel gets up and he begins to prophesy. And we're just going to read verses 6 and 7 of chapter 4. And it says, Then he answered and spake unto me, saying, This is the word of the Lord unto Zerubbabel, saying, Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. Who art thou, O great mountain, before Zerubbabel? Thou shalt become a plain, and he shall bring forth the headstone thereof with shoutings, crying, Grace, grace unto it. Now, what was going on here was they were trying to rebuild the temple in Jerusalem. Weren't doing a very good job. In fact, nothing had happened for quite a few years, and God sent Zerubbabel saying, Listen, Is it time for you to dwell in beautiful houses and to rebuild your things and to make things nice for you and your family and to leave the house of God forsaken? He said, it's time to get up and build. And so they began rebuilding. And if you remember, part of the story was the old men that had seen Solomon's temple. How many of you remember that part? They laid the foundation and they began to weep because this temple, in all comparison, in every measure, was going to be nothing compared to Solomon's temple. But the young men who had been born in that 70-year period had never seen the temple, had never offered uh, a sacrifice. When they saw the foundation laid, they were rejoicing because... 
now they would be able to experience the kind of worship that their grandfathers had only spoken about. And it said the noise was very confused and and heard a long way off. And Zerubbabel gets up, and I mean, not Zerubbabel, but Zechariah gets up and he tells Zerubbabel, you started, you're going to finish this. But it's not going to be by your power, by your might, by anything that you can do. It's going to be by my Spirit. And by the way, how do you know that it's God's Spirit? Well, look at the passage here. This is a, not the uh, 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 what we would call a little bit more obscure passage, but there's so much truth laid out very simply here. Verse 6, Then he answered and spake unto me, saying, This is the what? Word of the Lord. What do I hold in my hand here? A Bible? What is the Bible? The words of the Lord. Is there a connection between the word of the Lord and grace? Yes, absolutely. And this is the only way that I can tell something is of the Spirit of the Lord. See, there's a lot of people today that talk about the Holy Spirit, do they not? Uh, And they give great credence and they talk about the Holy Spirit doing this and the Holy Spirit doing that. The only way you can know that it is truly the Holy Spirit of God and it is God's way of doing things is because the Word of the Lord tells me. And when He does, the work that has been done is in agreement with the Word of the Lord. And guess what? When other people look at it, they say, that's just what the Bible said. You know, that's what we want people saying about Open Door Bible Baptist Church, is it not? Oh, you just preach the Bible, nothing else. Yes, that is exactly what we're trying. Why? Because that's the only way we can know it's the Spirit of the Lord. That way, we're not doing it in our power and our might. Uh, I think I've told the story of a church that we used to attend whenever we were in the area. They supported us, and they went purpose-driven, which means they ran off all the old-timers and told them to go find another church and got a rock band on the platform and said, we're going to, literally, this is what they did. Uh, I was told, for what it's worth, they had 500 people leave their church one Sunday and go to another church. Because they had a better rock band. They had a better band. The music was better. If that's why people come to church, expect those kinds of things to happen. If you're coming to church and it is the power and the Spirit of God then we can be somewhat confident that the work that is accomplished is connected to the grace of God. Grace helps us escape God's judgment. Amen? It brings us through. It it assuages. It moves God's judgment so that it does not touch us. 
Why was the city of Jerusalem destroyed? Why were they rebuilding it? Because of God's judgment for their sin? And what was there to ensure that it was built the way that God wanted it to be rebuilt? It was grace. Amen? Grace is a beautiful, it's a wonderful, it is a powerful thing. But remember, the grace did not come from the children of Israel and their desire to rebuild their city. Grace came from God upon them. Now let's turn to John chapter 1, a very familiar passage. John chapter 1. And we're going to look at verses 14 through 17 here. It says, And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory as of the, excuse me, as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. John bare witness of him and cried, saying, This was he of whom I spake. He that cometh after me is preferred before me, for he was before me. And of his fullness have all we received, and grace for grace. For the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. Grace. It is sourced in the person of Jesus Christ. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Grace and truth are connected. Why? Because grace and God's words, the word of the Lord, are connected. It's because God is the source of all grace. And We don't have time to go through this because it's actually in an entire sermon all on its own. But that phrase, and grace for grace. You see, when I accept God's grace and get saved, what do I receive? More grace. We're going to look at some passages here. God wants to give us more grace. How do we get that? By taking what we have and giving it back to God. It's just that simple. If we will take what God has given us and act upon it. And we're going to look at some very familiar passages here. Let's go to Ephesians 2, 8, 9, and 10. Uh, If you only have one opportunity to give some Bible verses to someone who does not know what it means to be saved, this is one of my top recommendations. If you have just one opportunity to share the gospel, you you want to read these verses to that person. It says in verse 8, For by grace are ye saved, how? Through faith. And that not of yourselves, the grace didn't come from you, the faith didn't come to you, It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. If you are saved today, you're saved by grace. 
How was God's grace applied to your heart? Through faith. Just like what happened to uh, Noah and the ark. Noah found grace. God gave him the plans. Noah had to go out and go for the wood. Amen. Noah had to put the ark together. Noah had to build that ship. He had to put the people in it. He had to waterproof it according to God's plan and build it exactly to God's specifications. Noah did not improve or change anything. All he did was obey what God told him. And he and his family were saved. Grace is what saves us. This makes the difference between true religion and false religion. This is true faith versus fake faith. There's an awful lot of false faith out there. And it's always based on what you do rather than on what God has done. Grace is what saves us. And by the way, we're not just saved so we can be recipients of grace. What's it says? For we are His workmanship. We are created in Christ Jesus unto good works. God has a plan for us. He has things He wants us to do. And if we're going to accomplish God's will in our life, it's going to be because of grace. I love that song. I didn't sing it tonight on purpose. Grace, grace, God's grace. Grace that is greater than our sin. Amen. Let's turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Of course, when we have a missions conference, uh, and we've had many of those over the years, I don't know that we've ever had a missions conference where someone hasn't gone into uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and, and 9, and because these talk about giving and and we, we want to look here at verse 1. It says, Moreover, brethren, we do you to wit of the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia. Skip down to verse 6. Insomuch that we desired Titus, that as he had begun, so he would also finish in you the same grace also. Therefore, as ye abound in everything, in faith, in utterance, and knowledge, and in all diligence, and in your love to us, see that ye abound in this grace also. So, what does grace do in the life of a saved person? Well, I mean, Paul just listed it there. As ye abound in everything. Faith is connected to grace. Utterance, the words that we speak, I would... Pray, and I would ask you to pray, those that are able to go with us out to Riverhead on Saturday, uh, that you'd begin praying now that God would give you grace to talk to people uh, about their souls. We're not just trying to get people to come to church. We're trying to get people to join us on the way to heaven. Amen. Utterance. Knowledge. Have you ever met somebody that was so smart that you couldn't stand to be in the same room with them? You ever meet somebody like that? 
I mean, they, they just knew it all and they wanted you to know that they knew it all. That is knowledge without grace. I'll tell you, I've met some people that knew, had great deal of wisdom and knowledge. And I am glad that they were gracious enough to impart that and help me solve the problem that I was looking at. Amen? And God wants us to abound in knowledge and all diligence. You know what that... I don't know if you've ever had this happen, but... Uh, You will, if you haven't, to this point. There'll come a time where you just do not feel motivated to live the Christian life as you should. Right here it says that you abound in diligence. What's that diligence attached to? It's attached to grace. You know what we're doing? We're presuming upon God's grace. We're taking God's goodness to us for granted. We're not treating it the way that we should. It says... And in your love for us, to us, I'm sorry, and in your love to us, see that ye abound in this grace also. Giving. It's part of our worship toward God. Uh, Often during our missions conference, we talk about faith, promise, giving. And I'd like to remind you that uh, the promises that were made are, are still in effect, and we're supporting missionaries based on those promises that were made uh, last November when uh, Brother Randolph was here. And uh, we had probably the largest surge in our missions giving from November right up until about the middle of January. And then it just started going. I don't know why Uh, we're still supporting all of our missionaries, praise the Lord. But uh, we had a huge surge right after the missions conference. Makes me want to call Brother Randolph and get him back out here for another week or something. Uh, Not quite sure that's the way to deal with that. I'll tell you the way to deal with it. Grace. Where does grace come from? Comes from God, doesn't it? How does that grace work in our lives? It works in connection with the words of the Lord. And it makes faith and utterance and knowledge and diligence and love to other Christians and giving. All of those things are connected to grace. Go with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 12. And Paul talks about it again. A, a verse that we often quote all by itself. Verse 9 says, And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. You know, it's not often that we really take the power of God and attach it to grace. But the Bible does. That's a connection the Bible makes. 
Paul was having a tough time here. He called it a thorn in the flesh. Now, you can go out and look it up on Wikipedia or wherever you want to look, and you're going to find as many answers as there are weirdos to make things up. We have no idea what Paul's infirmity, what his trial that he was facing. I've heard uh, preachers embellish this thing and talk about an eye infection and da-da-da-da. And I mean, you're just sitting there wanting one of those little airplane bags to... Uh, take care of the grossness of the sermon and all of that. And we don't know. And you know, there's a reason why God doesn't tell us what Paul was facing. Because no matter what he was facing, it's not what you are facing. But I want you to understand something. The problem, I mean, five minutes before the sermon, we're, we're getting a notice of cancellation next week if we don't do something very drastic here with this thing. And the, the problem is, and this is what you need to pray about, the company took the entire year's premium and wouldn't bind us until, and so they have our money. And uh, this, is, this is a very dangerous situation, and so I need your prayers. And there's a lot of things that I would like to do right now that aren't connected to grace whatsoever. Uh, And uh, I've got to be careful and pray for your preacher, please. Because the answer is not in yelling at the insurance agent. The answer is in the power of God to solve this problem. And that's grace. And that's what we need, is God's grace. It says it is sufficient. It's to meet this need. We, oftentimes we talk about every failure in the Christian life is a failure of faith. And that's a very true statement. Can God's grace ever fail? It says right here that His grace is sufficient. But if we do not take advantage of God's grace, we can be in a lot of trouble. How many sins did Jesus pay for on the cross? All of them. Then why are the majority of people who are alive on this earth right now not going to heaven? God's grace is there. But it's not been applied to their lives personally through faith. You see, Peter put it this way, and we'll look at uh, one more passage and try to tie this all up here. Second Peter chapter 3, if you don't have this verse memorized, uh, you need to. We have a little song we sing in Sunday school here, but growing grace. and uh, Maybe we need to get this, uh, make sure this is on the list to sing on Sunday morning. But growing grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, to whom be glory both now and forever. And all God's people said, Amen. We're supposed to grow in grace. Now, the first thought is, well, I thought I got all the grace that I need when I got saved. Well, yeah, you did. But how much of that grace are you applying to your life? How much of that power of that grace is being used in each and every day? It says that we are to grow in grace. 
You go to the store and you get a little plant. And you bring it home and you grow it in your own pot in your house. Do you not? You take it out of the little plastic thing and put it in a little pot. And you add soil and you water it and you take care of it. And tomorrow we're supposed to transplant a tomato plant and see if we can grow one upside down. Uh, I don't know how that's going to work, but we're going to try. It's this weird little plastic bag, and you put the tomato plant out the bottom and hang it up. And so we'll see what happens. Uh, Maybe it'll keep the squirrels off of it. Maybe it won't. We'll see. But we're supposed to grow in grace. Where does grace come from? It comes from God, doesn't it? We're supposed to be rooted and grounded in Jesus Christ, are we not? Grace comes from Him. If we will take our supply, He is the head of the body. If we will take that picture and look at it, the, the head supplies all the direction and, and everything that the body needs to function. We need to grow In grace. Why? Because grace is the only way to escape God's judgment. Grace is what saves us. Grace is what gives us the ability to be more than just a receptacle for God's grace. This whole world talks about wanting to give and wanting to love one another. Uh, I, I'll tell you, look at their definition of love. It comes a whole lot closer to hate than it does to love. Because if you don't agree with them, oh my, are you in big, big trouble. And, and it's just getting more and more vicious and virulent as, as we go on. And, and there doesn't seem to be any end in sight to this craziness that is going around. Somebody says... Nancy Pelosi and AOC are in a war. What do you do? Watch. Uh, That's about all. Don't get in the middle of it, I'll tell you that. No, here's we, we need to go to God and get grace. Because in spite of all the craziness going on, God calls upon those that have received His grace to give. To give of yourself, to learn God's knowledge, to be faithful, to be obedient to the Word of God, to grow in your love toward others. All of these things, and in our giving as well. You see, it's not that we're getting more grace. It's that the grace is coming in and we are growing in grace. We are learning to operate under and through the power of God's grace. It's not just a, bless you, my child. That's not grace. That's not even a prayer. Who, who gives this guy, what or whoever it is, the power to bless you? Only Grace only comes from God. And God says, if we're going to have that power, if we're going to have that uh, working in us, we've got to use faith. It's connected to the Word of God. 
God will forgive us for sins. He will bring us through His judgment without it destroying us. And He will also give us grace to rebuild those things that we have lost because of our wrong decisions. That's the Bible. Grace and truth come from Jesus Christ. How many of you could use a little more grace right now? Tell you what, I sure could. How am I going to get it? Uh, Word of God. Amen? How am I going to know that it's the Spirit doing the work, that it's actually God's grace and not me? Uh, The Word of God. That checks me. That keeps me from uh, using my own abilities. Grace saves me. It's going to give me the ability to give and to reach out to others. It's sufficient because God's grace is made perfect in my weakness. Amen. And by the way, as I grow in grace, I'm not dependent upon me. I'm dependent upon God's grace. It's exactly what the Bible's talking about here. And all God's people said, let's pray. Dear Heavenly